Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the I Am Always Right Spork Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyka, along with my co-host, the Merc Zone, Mike Merkel. Oh, yeah. And the Brain, Emily Merkel. How are you guys doing today? Good. Great. Doing great. Em, a long time no see. You haven't been on in a week, you slacker. You've been, you know, we had, a, we had our resident NBA insider, Kyle Budzanowski. Shout out to Big Kyle. Uh, for filling in for M last week, but the original crew is back, and we're gonna jump right into it. We're starting with, we're starting with pro wrestling this week, guys. We're talking about Wrestle Kingdom. We talked last week about it and how it was the biggest show of the year for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and boy did it deliver. Um, obviously, let's just let's just start right off the top. The biggest news coming out of it is every single title match had a title change, which I think is probably the first time we've seen that in a really long time from any. From any, any show, any from show any promotion. Yeah. So I think that was huge. But, Mike, I'm going to start with you. We and you sat on Friday night. We watched it together. We took some notes. Yeah. Um, what was your – just give me your overall thoughts of the show because I know we, we, we had a lot of takeaways back and oh, forth. Yeah. Um, just give me your overall thoughts on the show. I thought it was a very good card. Um, opening match was just like I expected. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. hard-hitting, mm-hmm. fast fast and action-packed. Mm-hmm. And, as you said, every single title change hands. Mm-hmm. I think – once we got to the middle of the show, mm-hmm. I think it kind of slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It started off really fast. Once you hit about the U.S. Championship match, it really kind of yeah we, we kind of lost our attention a l- little, little bit. A little bit of a dip. A little bit. But of a then dip. it started to kick right back up, and then the main event hit, and yeah. we were both in shock. Yeah. No. No kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I know you were kind of in and out of the room while we were watching, but anything you noticed that was like that was different from some of the other bigger shows we've watched. Obviously, we watched Final Battle at the end of last month. Um, we, we've seen some, obviously, some WWE pay-per-views. WrestleMania's coming right around the corner, so we'll have some comparisons there. But uh, anything that you really noticed, any any surprises, um, anything that really stood out to you as far as matches, or, or any, just your overall take on the show? I mean, I think that last match was great. But like you said, I was kind of in and out of the room, but I think usually I can gauge how well a wrestling show is going by how into it you and you and Michael <laughs> yeah, are. Right? And yeah, you and I were pretty geeked about it. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. I think... What I found most interesting was as I'd pop in and out of the room trying mm-hmm. to figure out, like, if all the changes weren't happening with all Elite Wrestling yeah. and all of everything, yep. all the transitions happening, like, what would the show have been like? That, would these changes have happened right, if all those things weren't happening? Yeah. So, was it a great show because of the changes, or was it a great show because Ring of Honor just really put on an awesome show? No, uh, yeah, New Japan, you mean. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that's that's obviously something that plays into it. I will say this, though, that I, I give New Japan a lot of credit Knowing what we know about all elite wrestling, and we know the young bucks are gone, we know some guys are leaving. I think that, with the exception of probably the Cody Juice Robinson match, mm-hmm. they did a really nice job of even though that that they were leaving, mm-hmm. I think they did a really nice job of still getting everybody to buy in to yeah. these matches. Right? You mm-hmm. know, the young bucks were protected in that triple threat match for the uh, for the heavyweight tag titles. Uh, Kenny was obviously protected against Tahashi, even though he dropped the title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his finisher didn't get blown or anything like that. He didn't even get to use it, ah. really enough, which is crazy in, in every sense. But um, I think they really did a nice job as far as protecting the guys leaving and protecting the integrity of the show and not giving the fans something to where we said, okay, we know what's going to happen. Okay, obviously the Cody Juice match we kind of knew, but with the exception of that, you really didn't, right? There was a lot of speculation. Was Kenny going to drop the heavyweight championship to Tanahashi? There was some speculation of, okay, with this new Bullet Club thing, what was going to happen? There was a lot of different pieces and some, you know, even the Intercontinental title match with Jericho and Naito, you know, was Jericho done? Is he coming back? What's he doing? And obviously that's something we'll monitor in future episodes. But I'm just going to go right off the top. Favorite match of the night for you. There's so many, there was so many... Great pieces of action, so many great matches and and great moments there that you really you know it was a basically just one big gif <laughs> of you know of just phenomenal action back and forth. Give me your top match of the night. I don't I think I know what you're gonna say, yeah. but I I'm, I'm gonna be interested. Well, mine's a toss up between two. Okay. Uh, mine's a toss up between actually the first match, the never open weight championship, Fantastic. or the main event. Okay. It's, it's one of the two for right. me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naito and Jericho stole the show. But I would say yes. I I like personally myself mm-hmm. I liked Ubushi Osprey the best of anything the I'm best sure. yeah. was it just because the finish that hard hitting forum at the yeah. back of the oh bed, just or? like all together it was just all like what mm-hmm. I expected it to mm-hmm. be like I guess the first like three minutes were kind of like right slow and right. you know like okay is this ever gonna pick up right. and then once they started picking up mm-hmm. and you knew this was all gonna happen mm-hmm. and 
I was like crying watching this right. match because right. it was so amazing. Right, like absolutely all the emotions. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and emotions. what was what was your favorite match? I, I know you were you were around for the majority of the time. I know I made you stay and sit and watch the main event. So did I, did I create some bias there just because of that, or, or what was your favorite match on the card? Well. I think probably the main event, yeah. but I just think it was probably the most intri- intriguing, and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. always love watching Kenny wrestle. Right. I just think it's yeah. like absolutely phenomenal. I mean, yep. I love me some Marty, who I think was on the pre-show. He was on the pre-show. Pre-show, right. and I mm-hmm. love Will Ospreay. Those yep. are my two. Yeah, we two. saw him live, and I know you mentioned that My two before. Ring of Honor, or Ring of yeah. Honor New Japan loves, right. but watching Kenny wrestle is like amazing. It, it's fan- it's really is fantastic. So. I, I think my favorite match had to have been... The Intercontinental title match. Yeah. Even though we, I kind of going going in, we kind of predicted that Jericho was going to drop the title to Naito. I still think that the way that finish happened, the story that they told there, they didn't abuse the finishers. They didn't. They told a really great story. It was physical. It's something that New Japan's not really known for as far as a hardcore street fight brawl type of match. Yeah. Um, I thought the main event was obviously fantastic. In a, in a lower, in a match that I don't think enough people are talking about that we kind of thought was not going to be that great was the Zack Sabre Jr. Tomohiro Ishii match for the Rev Pro uh, title there. I thought that was a phenomenal match, and that's another match, too, That and, and, and it seems like this is a recurring theme for us, that Zack Sabre Jr. is a guy that, you know, if you're not paying attention to him, folks, you really need to start looking at this guy, because even though his style's unorthodox and it's not as flashy as others are, like a Will Ospreay and what have you, his matches are always fantastic, and I feel like that his matches, for whatever reason on these shows, are kind of not talked about as much, but really should be taken a look at um, in a big way. Just overall, from the fallout of the show, what are we expecting to see from New Japan? Because now, you know, Kenny's probably leaving, we think. Young Bucks yeah. are gone, Cody's gone, Marty's probably going to be gone in a few months. Um, that's a big chunk of some of their talent. They kind of reloaded a little bit. You know, Los Imigro, Bernal, Blaze, and Bullet Club kind of shift to the main focus. The Elite's kind of out of it now. Yeah. What do you expect to see going forward for New Japan? Is it just going to be like it was before, Tanahashi running the roost, or do we see something yeah. else coming? I don't know. I think, I think you're going to start seeing people like Ibushi mm-hmm. kind of take some reins and step up a little bit. Right. To maybe he's going to be in the main event eventually. Mm-hmm. I think Jay White... You're yes. going to see a lot more of Jay White. If yes. you're a big Jay White fan, then you guys are probably going to be Big win over Okada. Because mm-hmm. he just, I think, announced right after the match that he's going to be fighting for the title against right. Tanahashi. Right. Probably in one of the next events. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, be ready for that. But, right. like, I think those two guys with, like, Los Ingenables, mm-hmm. they're going to start, you know, being the main focus of all these shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually quite excited to see all that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know, I know we were talking about, too... Um, where you're gonna be like in foreign territory a little bit because all the guys that you that you watch that we've seen live are all leaving. Yeah. So now you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're kind of like, okay, I got a whole bunch of these, one. Yeah, right, all these Japanese guys working. <laughs> I know that'll be something extremely interesting um, um, to kind of monitor and see for. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do as far as Naito's kind of trajectory. He's with the Intercontinental Title right now. I know. Um, I know he just got a challenger. Was a Tai Chi from from uh, yeah, Suzuki Gun who yeah. just came in and challenged him. I think that's going to be something to where you kind of go, okay, yes, but I don't think that's really. I, I'm expecting his trajectory. I, I I mean, it's one of those things where I, I feel like he's got a Shinsuke vibe before Shinsuke left with that Intercontinental Championship and really going to make it a focal point of New Japan again. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things, and obviously Jericho's situation, him challenging for the title. Against Tanahashi, he's already made that proclamation that he'd like to challenge Tanahashi. Okay. I think that is something that I think everybody wants to see. What do you think Okada's gonna do? Oof, I, I I think Okada would be perfect. I think him and Naito to kind of allow the Intercontinental title to kind of shine again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they need to get the United States Championship off of Juice Robinson relatively mm-hmm. quickly. No yeah. offense, Juice. But I think that championship yeah. needs to have a full... Maybe Okada's that guy maybe. to kind of set the bar. I mean, I know Kenny held it, you know, but Jay White kind of fell a little bit, Juice, and then Cody just held it for a brief minute there. I think that Okada could definitely be a guy that takes the U.S. championship and really brings it to another level mm-hmm. and adds legitimacy to the championship similar to what Nakamura did for the Intercontinental title. Because as fans remember, when the Intercontinental Championship in New Japan was first was first established, it was not the championship that we know from WWE where it was held in this high regard. It was just another championship. Guys like MVP and Masato Tanaka were champions. That, that didn't really do anything for the title. And then Shinsuke held it. Tanahashi held it. Kenny held it. So it, it was added legitimacy to the title. 
title, and I think they need a big-time mm-hmm. former world champion to really take that title to the next level. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. All right, we're shifting focus. We're shifting out of pro wrestling, and we're shifting to the NFL, more more local, the Detroit Lions. Obviously, the season ended 6-10, and 10, ending with a great victory over the Green Bay Packers. I don't care what anybody says. A 31-0 victory over the Green Bay Packers is a 31-0 victory, victory over the Green Bay Packers, so yay. So we're going to be talking more about the Bob Quinn press conference. Obviously, we don't hear from Bob Quinn much during the season. Um, he's kind of the man behind the scenes. He's obviously the general manager of the Detroit Lions and executive vice president. He he really He's not really in the forefront at all during the season. Draft time is really the most we hear from him, and obviously the end of the season here. Um Mike, I know we watched this press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was taken aback by it. I really, I really enjoyed the press conference. It's one of the few press conferences I've seen um, where I feel like there was actually some information given, which yeah. usually doesn't happen very often. I feel like he came out and and to his credit, he kind of stood there. He really took it on the chin. Oh, yeah. he really did. And I, I think that for him to be able to stand there and. And be and take every single question, whether it's the Matt Patricia accusations, whether whether it's Matthew Stafford, whether it's missing out on some trades, trading Golden Tate away, every possible criticism that that he could have over this past season, I think he took and responded and didn't just give a generic. Well, you know, those are private conversations. I think that he added some background mm-hmm. to some of those points. Uh, how did you feel just on his overall on the press conference and just what he said and the message? You know that he kind of delivered it because I thought he was I thought I was well informed after the fact. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, usually, one thing I always critique him about is during mm-hmm. the season. Right. You know, they get like a big blowout loss or right. something like the Jets game. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting him and right. like Patricia, but right. he always comes out. But like I'm expecting him to come out and be like, "Hey, this is kind of what went wrong. Like mm-hmm. we thought we had," some, and like he never comes out through the season. Right. You don't see him much come out. Mm-hmm. Like they trade Tate, and everyone's like, "Why'd you trade Tate?" And right. No answer. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of wondering why. And now I love this because he just comes out and he goes, ask any question you want. Right. And I'll give you the, the best, my, answer, my best I answer I can get. Right. And he stood up there for like 45 minutes, I think it was. Yeah. And he just went, oh, you don't think Stafford's this? Well, here's why. Or, right. hey, we traded tape because of this. And right. here's this because of the. And he just went through everything that was ever criticized mm-hmm. through the season mm-hmm. and laid it out right on the table for everybody. And now we all know where he stands. Mm-hmm. And I actually loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, I know, I know, you kind of took the same thing where you're like, "Well, I actually like got something out of this press conference," and I was like, "Wow, I actually like understood what he was saying." As far as like, hey, he he addressed things that were the rumor mill, you know, mm-hmm. the Rob Gronkowski trade talks, which I think all of us here can kind of agree. We think that probably Gronkowski, if he doesn't veto that trade, is probably a Detroit Lion right now. So yeah. I think those types of of remarks, and, and how I, I I'll ask you in a second, but. Um, well, I mean, those kinds of remarks to me really stand out because I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, it, for me, it's more of a about time. Thank you for addressing the fans as far as, you know, the media asked some very pointed questions, mm-hmm. and I thought he did a great job of, of really acknowledging that. And, and what did you think overall? So as kind of our social business commentator of sorts, right. I thought that his PR team did a fabulous job in right. prepping him, right. um, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you are a leader in any way, honesty will earn you the most respect mm-hmm. out of everything. So mm-hmm. when you come forward and you make your own mistakes, we've seen it through presidencies, we've seen it with CEOs. And I think that that's kind of one of like the gritty things about Detroit is mm-hmm. kind of like you know, the people of Detroit. They're kind of like right. an honest, hardworking people. So, like, I think if we can get that power behind its right. sports and get Bob Quinn, mm-hmm. you know, answering tough questions, you know, getting a little dirty or a little gritty into the details and just sharing his yeah. story, you kind of get the power right. of the people and the mm-hmm. team back behind right. you. And I, and I know people are going to say, well, yeah, he's the GM, and yeah, you, you should be explaining these things after a down year. No doubt, no doubt about it, but let's, let's not kid ourselves here. They can say... As much or as little as they want, if we're being honest. And one of the bigger surprises that that I thought came out for me was was the Matthew Stafford talk. And and I know that some of the media really asked some pointed questions about he had a down year. Um, can you understand why the fans are frustrated and why the fan base is frustrated? And for me, when he, he, he literally came out and said, yeah, I get it. And I understand. But... And then he and then he gave several very pointed and specific answers 
to to why he feels the way he does. Whether it, And he mentioned talking with Bruce Ellington, who first signed here, and worked extensively with him for two straight days to get him prepared to play the following week because it, it, those are things that... And he took practice squad guys mm-hmm. that were there for three, four days a week, and he, and he showed them how to run a route or why you should do this or why you do that. Guys that he really doesn't need to be spending time talking to just to make everybody better. And I know a criticism of Stafford has been, you know, he doesn't show that emotion to the media after a loss, after a win, what have you. But I thought Bob Quinn coming out and giving very specific examples about some of the guys in this locker room and how hard they work, I thought was not only helpful for a fan like us Mm -hmm. to where we can go, okay, but also for the media to kind of go, all right, I get it a little bit. You know, obviously Detroit media is ruthless. They're going to keep hounding until we win a Super Bowl. I get it, but at the end of the day, I think that those pointed those pointed questions and and the fact that he went and cited specific examples really helps not only his case for signing Stafford that extension or explaining why you know he is a Stafford guy and why he's behind him. He put an end to the trade talks, hopefully for a season. Um, those kind of things to me were some of the biggest surprises. Mike, what did you think was some of the big surprises or something that you were like, whoa, I didn't expect to hear from that or to hear that side of our story, but was glad to see, glad to hear it. I was actually, we were talking about this right before we started the yeah. show, actually, the Stafford talk, right. because I think a lot of people give Stafford a lot of crap when yeah. he's sitting on the sideline. and right. like He looks uninterested, right. Yeah, he just looks like he's out of it, like he right. just doesn't really want to be there and all mm-hmm. that. And I think his insight on how much Stafford really wants to be there and how right. much he cares. Like, to the media, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, like, yeah. like he, he doesn't feel. show it. He's right. just, like, mm-hmm. average. But when he's in that locker room, everyone feels and everyone sees his emotion. Yeah, and they how respond upset. to yeah. him. And I think all of that, I think that was probably the most shocking thing I've heard. Mm-hmm. I also liked to hear about the Golden Tate trade rumors and right. when they trade him, his thoughts on that. Yeah, and, and I think Em mentioned that too, actually, that, that she said that she was surprised because when they traded Golden, mm-hmm. right, I know you were like, why are they trading this guy? I who was seems... like, I thought he was good at football. Yeah, I right. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> right, but to your point, right, Mike, is that you get some of this insight and the... You know, even the even the minor stuff, the Khalil Mack stuff, where he's like, "Yeah, we had conversations, yeah. right? We had conversations about Eric Ebron. We had conversations about every major name in tight in the tight end position." You know, those kind of just little tidbits of information mm-hmm. where I do feel like they would be served best when stuff like that happens, like. Even the snacks trade, right? Yeah. I would have loved for Bob Quinn at least to have a you know ten minute. Pro- hey, listen, we completed a tra- completed a trade with the New York Giants for Damon Harrison. Here's what we think he brings to our team. Yeah. Just something That's super what, simple. I you wish know? You, like, through the year, like I said, I wish yeah. we got more of that. Like, absolutely. The season, You're absolutely. But I love correct. it that at least at the end of the season he goes, okay, this is everything that happened mm-hmm. and this is why. And I loved everything about the press conference and I did learn. A lot of good stuff to do it. So. Right. All right, so I'm going to ask you guys both this question. Um, I'm going to start with you. Overall evaluation of Bob Quinn during his three years, because to me, I think it's kind of a mixed bag a little bit. I think that he has – I think he's done a pretty nice job drafting for the most part. T's Tabor kind of, you know, outwithstanding, which, by the way, I give him credit for saying T's Tabor has not played – like he thought he would. You Absolutely. know what I mean? He said, you know, if I was batting a thousand on my draft picks of free agency, we'd be sixteen and zero. I thought that was a great quote. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Where I thought that was that that was funny, and I thought that showed he's like, listen, I'm not gonna be perfect, but I'm gonna be as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, overall evaluation of him of, over three years, mm-hmm. obviously nine and seven, nine and seven, six and ten records. But uh, do you think you know? Just is this team better off with him compared to like Martin Mayhew, the former GM? So I will caveat this statement with the fact that we have been dating for two and a half years. So, <laughs> so you, the got first two, portion, you got two seasons? Like so I got two seasons. In. <laughs> um, I would say that I appreciate him driving for change, right. for not being afraid to like take the risks mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, bring in some new people and mm-hmm. try some different things. And even though this season, I mean, like we kind of dropped off a little bit, like, right. Like, being willing to drive for change and, you know, do things differently Absolutely. in spite of the fact that you might not get instantaneous results. I Absolutely. really respect that mm-hmm. in any leader. So I think that's a really good thing. And if he continues with this kind of more honesty, honest mm-hmm. streak of kind of, like, sharing a little more with the public right. and the press, I think that would that would be a good improvement and continuation mm-hmm. into the rest of his 
and to his tenure. Right, obviously, you know, and we know that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are tied at the hip, five-year extensions each yep. way when Bob, when when Matt Patricia got hired. So obviously they're tied together, yep. for better or worse. You know, if Matt Patricia does well, Bob Quinn's doing well. Bob Quinn does well, and he drafts the right guys, puts Patricia in a position to win. It's it's a marriage, guys. So it, we're gonna be stuck with these guys for at least probably two more years, if nothing else. So, Mike, same question. Overall valuation of, of Bob Quinn as his as the general manager since he's been hired three years ago. I mean, I think he's been doing just a good, like a pretty good job. I yeah. would say his drafting, I think, has been pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, you get guys like Kenny Galladay and Deshaun Hand in the third round, right. where like you would expect. Like for, like if I was like Deshaun Hamilton round, most people would be like, oh, first because he's so good. Right. Like no, we got him in the third round. Yeah. Like you're they're finding talent right. late in drafts, right. which you pay them less, mm-hmm. opens up cap for more players that you can get, mm-hmm. and they're good right away, which mm-hmm. is extremely hard to find a third, fourth, fifth round talent. Right. To use right away, so I think in that case he's good, and you know two out of three years he's been winning. Right. Yeah, you know? like it's not like oh we're sitting there at six and ten, six and ten, and seven and nine. Right. Like you're sitting there with two winning seasons, and right. this is like the anomaly year. Right. And hopefully this continues to be only the anomaly year, mm-hmm. and every other year he's constantly right. being successful. I mean, yeah, I don't absolutely. have any wrongdoing with him. Right. So and far, honestly, really. that's kind of where I'm at. In, in his first off season, obviously he went. Calvin Johnson retired, so he was kind of behind the eight ball to begin yeah. with, right? He went and signed Marvin Jones to, to a nice contract. Um, and really, Marvin Jones has never been better in any situation since he came here to Detroit. Absolutely. But um, I think the extension of Matthew Stafford was pivotal. I think the I think his drafting, especially obviously the first couple rounds, you know, Tilla Decker starter, Frank Ragnow starter, Jared Davis starter, got finding guys later on. Carry on Johnson, obviously, yeah. um, Kenny Galladay, Sean Hand, um, just just every every guy that they've that they drafted. You know, so he, they haven't been all hits, right? Absolutely. He's taken some flyers, the Jake Rudocks, the Michael Roberts. You know, some of those haven't panned out the way we'd all hoped that they would. But I will say that the way we have drafted the past couple of years and, and some of the free agent acquisitions that we've made has really kind of transformed this team. And I'm going to give a shout-out here to Rod Wood a little bit, too. The Lions going into this offseason, folks, have around $40 million in cap space. And, and that, I anticipate, is going to grow a little bit with TJ Lang either doing a restructure or being released and Glover Quinn probably being released or retiring. But extent, excluding those, $40 million in cap space, I can't tell you the last time I, I they've been in this good of a cap situation, right? Mm-hmm. Even with the ginormous contract of Matthew Stafford, they have this they have this much money to spend, and they're and they have guys right now in pivotal positions that are making good but not great money. Devon Kennard, right, is making good money, not making great money, good money. You you know Ziggy's obviously gone, so you're gonna go get a premier defensive end, but you have guys in positions, and they've been very selective on who they've paid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For Absolutely. better or for worse, they haven't handed out all these long-term contracts. They, they, it's been a lot of one-year improvement deals. If we like you, you'll come back. If not, you know, you're gone. But we've allowed ourselves a lot of cap flexibility going forward mm-hmm. to where this offseason, I feel specifically, is going to be a big offseason for them. Absolutely. The amount of cap space, high draft picks. I feel like you have young talent to build around, like you mentioned. This is definitely going to be an offseason that we're going to have to follow very closely here mm-hmm. because I, I feel like this is going to be a year, especially defensively, where we're going to see a lot of change happen. Um, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear from us, and we're going to plug all of our social media and everything about it. But we'll be right back, and we'll be coming back with Black Monday in the NFL. Seven coaches fired last Monday, along with Jim Bob Cooter. He's gone, too. And then we're also talking NHL All-Star Games and why why we should even have All-Star Games in for any reason whatsoever. So we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is the Mouth of Michigan, Robin Dyka. Just reminding you about our social media pages. You can find us at I'm Always Right on Facebook. On Twitter at I'm Always Right PC. And on Instagram at I'm Always Right PC. And you should be looking for us on YouTube because this right here is going to be the very first episode that's uploaded to our YouTube channel. You'll see the link in our SoundCloud and on all of our social media. If you're not following us, now is the time to do it. Tons of listens, tons of followers. Jump on the bandwagon now. Now stay tuned for part two of episode six of I'm Always Right. Okay, and welcome back to part two of episode six of I'm Always Right. We're going to be talking Black Monday on the NFL. Seven coaches got fired. 
the Monday after the regular season ended. Obviously, Green Bay and Cleveland already fired their coaches. Got a jump start on all that. Um, Mike, just just a brief, just any surprise firings? Like that's a quarter of the league that just basically got fired and has to find a new head coach, which. It, it seems high, but we say that every year. I feel like yeah. it always seems high, um, right? <laughs> right. So I, I guess my question is: any surprise? Any surprise firings? Really? I, like Marvin Lewis was there forever and yeah. set a pretty good level of mediocrity in Cincinnati yeah. for about a decade and a half. Uh, Adam Gase, Miami guy. Um, any any surprise firings? Actually, I was going to say Adam Gase. I think it's kind of shocking to me, right? Because the past now the AFC East. Is hard, but there's just the one. There's New England, right? There's New England, right? That's all you gotta say about it. But I mean, when you look, I mean, you get fired after a ten and six season, like you just had. Yeah. Or and I'm like, that's a tough fire. Yeah, like, that's yeah, like, it's extremely like, tough. Like just measuring if you're like, yeah, I had a winning season, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, see ya, we're gonna go get somebody new, and you're like, right. oh, okay, you're right. And, like, I, and I know their offense was really not the issue. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that Adam Gase has a play caller at least. I think he got the best year. Out of Jay Cutler that anybody ever got, you oh know, and he, he he did well in Denver with Peyton Manning. I know Peyton recommends him highly. Um, and I know you mentioned, you know, the Green Bay firing obviously was pretty shocking that we talked about on our premiere episode, which you can find available in the archives on our SoundCloud account. But if um, besides that, any surprise firings? Did you think that possibly like um, I know the the Falcons fired both their offensive and defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple other, you know, the Jets firing Todd Bowles. Any surprise firings, or were you kind of expect that just because the NFL changes half their or a quarter of their coaches every year? The NFL <laughs> just likes to do like a chair swap where they just fire everyone and then yep. rehire everyone Re- onto, a rehire everybody. onto a different team. Right. And so it doesn't really <laughs> surprise me. I think people uh, who are more into the nitty gritty of football are than right. your casual sports fan like myself are probably right. like, oh, that's crazy. But to mm-hmm. me, it's like, no, they just play musical chairs every year. Right, they pretty go, much. Whoop. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I was kind of surprised a little bit uh, with Marvin Lewis just simply because they just signed to extension last year after they thought they were going to fire him, and now they brought him back. And I think Todd Bowles gets a little bit of flack too. I was kind of surprised by that one. Rookie quarterback, I don't think the defense is the problem. They haven't had a good quarterback since he got there. I think Darnold is going to be a star. Yeah. Um, I think they could have given him. I know that that's probably why they fired him, though, is to go get an offensive guy mm-hmm. to go get him. But I think Todd Bowles is a hell of a defensive coordinator, so I, I expect him to get scooped up just like that. Um, but kind of moving on to a bigger issue here, do you think it's fair for only head coaches to be blamed for failures? And this is why I say this. Guys that have been, like, for instance, you know, Cincinnati, you know, their owner is their GM. But a lot of times you see, uh, like in Tampa Bay, right, Dirk Cutter gets fired, but the GM stays, right? All these GMs are staying, but most of the time these GMs are, G- GMs are also the guys that are hiring these guys. So... And I understand that coaches have to coach the players that they're given, but I feel like the, the GM should definitely be blamed for for some of this as well. You know, there's very rare situations where the GM inherits a coach, right? Where a new GM gets hired, you know, like kind of in our situation here in Detroit. But for the most part, you fire your coach, you fire your GM, you kind of bring them together, and you kind of roll with it, at least after a season or two. I mean... Why is it that, and I guess, should GMs be on such a short list? I mean, Steve Wilkes for the Arizona Cardinals got fired after one year. You know, yeah. Steve Kimes not going to get fired though, and is going to have an opportunity to hire another coach, <laughs> even though he's now hired two, and they have no championships. They got no NFC championships. They got a couple division titles, but besides that, you know what I mean? It's is it is it just that's just how it is, or should GMs have a shorter lease too? I think. There's obviously two ways to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think GM should have a shorter leash, right? Because it feels like sometimes he can go through like five coaches before, like, oh, maybe it's actually your, your the, fault, your, right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I think, but also, I think you should look at, you know, first you should go down to the first level and say the team as a whole, right? Because if you don't have much to work with as a team as a whole, like say like Arizona doesn't really have much as a whole to work with, no. Then the coach you're set up for failure. Yeah, you're kind of setting the coach up for failure, which then sets you up for failure, right? As a result, right? So I think you have to you have to look at all of that in totality mm-hmm. because say like something like Green Bay where like you have Aaron Rodgers, so usually you're it, having average seasons. Yeah, it masks some of the problems with the team. Yeah, exactly. Right. So then, like, you're like, oh, well, you know, McCarthy, how are we going to – he's 9-7. and seven, And then once you're 9-7, and seven, then, like, you're good because right. the guy you hired is doing good. But it's really just carried off of one person. Right. Like, 
I think I think they should equally kind of get blamed, and I think they should be on a definitely a shorter leash. Right. Then I think it should be like maybe like two coaches, and mm-hmm. if you go through two coaches and right. both don't work, then you're like you're maybe you're maybe you're too. the problem too. Right. And, and I, I think that's, that's I think it's out. tough too, especially because the GM obviously has a lot more control usually in football operations as far as yeah. the talent and as you know talent acquisition, getting a scouting department together and, and what have you. So I think that. Changing GMs is difficult, and it sets teams back. Clearly, you know what yeah, I mean. You usually hire, you know, if you fire a GM, it means that your team or your roster really is underperforming to what you, the money you spent, how high draft picks you've had, etc. M, same question. Do you think that GM should be should have shorter leashes, the same similar to NFL head coaches? Because it right now it seems like it's a revolving door until everybody finds the next Sean McVay, and that's obviously not going to happen. So, do you, are you kind of in the same sentiment as Mike, or do you think that GM should have a little more leeway just because it's harder to hire and fire as quickly in a more managerial, general manager position than it would be just as a coach? I think a GM is playing a little bit more of a long game mm-hmm. than a coach is in some regards, though. Right. I mean, obviously, coaches want to have really long legacies, but right. at the end of the day, a GM's trying to stock and improve a team for a much for long, longer right. period yeah, of time. Arc, right. So his improval trajectory is going to be a lot like slower and more gradual mm-hmm. than like a coach who a coaches are looking at every game, every season, mm-hmm. and they're looking at it in smaller chunks mm-hmm. usually. So I think that you require a little bit longer of a leash for a GM, but I do think there probably are a couple who are just like well, running and, and in circles. I think you're I think you're the people who are managing your GM like team owners and whatnot, I think mm-hmm. they just have to be cognizant of the fact that right. everything on a team isn't always a coach's fault. If there's issues there's other people. With talent. Right. And yes. I think that's the big thing is talent, right? And I think that's a perfect I like I don't know if Steve Wilkes is truly a great head coach or not. we may never know that. But I guess my point being a guy like that who you hire, you know, less than a year ago, you fire him now, I get it, you're the you're the worst team in the league. But you start a rookie quarterback. You sign Sam Bradford to twenty million dollars for what reason? I'll never understand. You know, you don't have any wide receivers. You, your running game was terrible this year, even with David Johnson. You, your running game was terrible. Your defense wasn't very good, and I get it. He was a defense coordinator in Carolina, but you know, even got like Todd Bowles, rookie quarterback. You know, Mike McCarthy. I kind of get. You know, I think that him and the Aaron Rodgers thing we've talked about at nauseum before. The Adam Gase thing once again. Another guy. You made the best with what you could. You had Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback or Brock Osweiler. Those aren't great options, folks. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. They're just not. So I think that, you know, even Dirk Cutter, I think, should be blamed a little bit for the Jameis Winston thing, so I understand that. But overall, if you have no talent, mm-hmm. it's really hard. It's really hard to win in this league. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. I'm just going to ask you guys, just in the fantasy world here, you're a free agent, you're a hot up-and-coming coordinator. Uh, Mike, probably more likely defensively, based off of how you play Madden. But, you know, <laughs> so... Okay. Up and coming defense coordinator Mike Merkel, Ian Rappaport is reporting that you are a hot candidate for all of these jobs. Going down the entire list, Miami, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Green Bay, wherever. If if I'm a GM and I'm like, I want to hire you, what team am I on? Who, 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 what team do you want to go to be the head coach for? It's your first time being head coach. Where do you want to go? I would... I would go to the Cleveland Browns. Woohoo! Wow. Here's now here's oh why it was either them. Yeah. I had another team in mind, yeah. but the reason I don't pick them and I pick the Browns yeah. is the level of talent that they have. Right. Especially on a low like rookies to two years in. Right. Talent that they have I would hope so. Is astronomically better than half these other teams that are available. Oh, yeah. Right. Um you know, you have, I, I believe, what you b- would be the quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Like, as we're watching, he brought him from zero to seven wins this year. Right. So, you, you probably have your guy there. Right. Um, you have a stellar, some stellar defensive players. You have, like, Miles Garrett. Right. You have Jabril Peppers, Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. You have those guys good. You have offensive pieces. You have everything as a whole. So, as a coordinator or even head coach, you're looking at that and you're going, I have all these players I can develop. Mm-hmm. And, and you still have tons of cap and space. And you have tons of cap space. Right. I mean, that's probably like the prime position to be in. Mm-hmm. So and that would be my number one choice. If, even with ownership, as crazy as they are, the Haslam, you know, like he's yeah. just... Well, he's I, don't, I don't think it takes... I don't think it would take much. Like if they're like, oh, you only have like two years, like 
whatever. Okay, right. I think you can still make it work because of all the talent that you have. So I think possibly I think somehow you can make it work in right. that case. Right. M. What? Just give you know first ever woman's head coach. You somehow managed to rise to the ranks. You, you scoff at me, but I mean, tell me another one who's been close. But you know, since you are the brain, right? The analytical genius that you are. What what's a team? Is it Green Bay just to spite me and piss me off? Is it too? Is it? Um, you know, is I didn't think of that. That's <laughs> a good idea. Um, is it Miami? Are is we it sure the, the Jets? Patriots job is open no, not yet. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, waiting, yeah. just waiting. Can is they it, just keep him as GM? And right, can just hang out. Is it Miami? Is it Tampa? Where where Denver. is it? Do you, yeah, is, yeah, Denver. That's another that's one, right? Cool. I mean, do you, where where, do, where would you want to go? Just looking at it, even if you just pick it straightly based off of just to spite me, which you shouldn't do that, but if you wanted to. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think the Packers might be an easy spot to slide into, um, but Miami weather is nice. Right. So right. You're asking me a hard question that yeah. I don't have a really good answer to for you. Um, I'd love to beat the Lions every time if I was the Packers Ooh. head coach and just make Rob cry. We probably wouldn't get married, oh, though. Oh, boy. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers would be over for yeah, dinner make, every day. Don't make me. Don't, We'd yeah. be best friends. Stop oh. it. Stop it. That's he asked me that question. Which annoyed me, so I'm going to give him an annoying answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if I had to choose, I think I would choose... The Packers. Oh, oh no, throw up my mouth right now. But I'm going to get Rodgers? Oh, jeez, no. That's a hot take. That, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if I had to choose, honestly, I think one of the better positions to be in, and I know you guys are going to kind of be like, huh, I think it is Tampa Bay. And here's why I say this. And I Bruce Arians is, you know, we've kind of seen in the reports like the Bruce Arians is looking like he's going to be the new guy over there. But I think Tampa Bay is a team that's very interesting because their offense really wasn't the problem in Tampa, right? It's their defense. I think that if you can go, especially now that Todd Bowles is available, I'm looking and I'm going, okay, if I get hired as Tampa Bay head coach, if I can go in and I can figure out either in one season, I'm either going to know Jameis Winston's my guy mm-hmm. or he's not, right? Yeah. But you have enough offensive weapons to to make a move, you know what I mean, and to make a splash. So I think that's a team that, when you when you look at it, if you can go get a solid defensive coordinator like a Todd Bowles, for instance, right, you know, and, and you start drafting and start hitting on some of these draft picks a little bit. You know, they drafted Vita Vey last year to be their their anchor, you know, now that McCoy's getting there up in age. But yeah. I think that's a team really that, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which is what, as we know, what I play Madden is what I play as offense. So um, is something, I think there's a team that's very interesting. Obviously the Jets too would be another interesting I, I one for me. Jets, yeah. Because that, Sam Darnold obviously looks like a guy who could be there. Uh, that defense is not bad. You've got solid players around. Jamal Adams, you got Tremaine Johnson. Um They've even got Morris Claiborne from, yeah. from Dallas from a few years ago. So th- they have some pieces there, too. I think it's another team that re- – I think they need another playmaker on yeah. that team, though, for being super competitive. So let's flip this around then. So yep. what's one of the eight teams that you would absolutely never go to? Green Bay. Green Bay? Yeah. You Green, would have no Green chance Bay. of going to Green Bay. Here's why, though, and this is why. Because I still feel it organizationally – actually, there's two. Green Bay is number one, and then Cincinnati is number two. I was going to say – I was going to go Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll no let you explain the Cincinnati. Cincinnati. But Green Bay, for this one reason um, – you don't like cheese. Organizationally, yeah, their uniforms are icky. But no, <laughs> they're um, – the throwbacks? Organizationally, that team, right, is hindered upon one player, right? There is too much to do mm-hmm. and that team for any new coach to survive. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's Josh McDaniels. I don't care – unless it's Belichick. There's no coach right now that's going to be able to fix that team unless Aaron Rodgers is playing well. Straight up to the point, right? We saw it this year for the first time, really, that Aaron Rodgers was not able to take a team with not very much talent and and, and elevate them to a level we expect of them, right? Mm-hmm. He's not getting any younger, right? Even if you have some cap space, the, the people you signed in the offseason, Jimmy Graham, total waste of time. Uh, Wilkerson got hurt week one. Total waste of time. You, you haven't drafted as well as you'd hoped. You drafted every corner that's ever came out of the draft for the past three seasons. And if you don't get Aaron Rodgers the way you need to be, and if you, I feel like almost if you're not in in sync with Aaron Rodgers, you know, if you do things and Aaron Rodgers is like I don't like that very much, you're dead before you even start. I think that is a cultural issue that Green Bay is facing right now, and I think a lot of Green Bay fans are a little bit worried based off of this season's performance that while we're paying this guy a lot of money, totally worth it. I get it. I understand that you had to do it, but. You're paying this guy a lot of money, and maybe now Aaron Rodgers is no longer superhuman. Maybe he's just 
human a little bit. You know what I mean? Where he needs somebody to throw to. He needs an okay running game. He needs a he needs a defense who can stop literally anybody. You know what I mean? I think that's a team, yeah. and I know you're gonna hit up Cincinnati, so get, put them to the ring because what a crap organization. Oh, Cincinnati that is. just. They have ownership alone is nuts. Oh yeah, they have I think AJ Green and there you go. Joe Mixon. There you go. And let's name another player on that team. Nailed like it. I'll be I'm completely honest. Nailed like, it. I forget. <laughs> like, the, that's it. I forget Cincinnati's like in the NFL. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because like, like that's how my they're never they're never <laughs> on they're never on TV. I don't think they've had a single primetime game, like Sunday night Monday night like all year. They make me sad. Like they're they're always at the one o'clock <laughs> slot that like everyone just kind of like we're gonna watch the lines instead. Right. Like they just have mm-hmm. like everything's a mess. Right. They've mm-hmm. been so long mm-hmm. of what sixteen years of right. just. Uh, yeah. No. I'm like I totally and, get it, man. And it wouldn't even be like if they're in a weak division. Right. Maybe you'd have a chance, but when you have to go against the Ravens, mm-hmm. the Steelers, and now the Browns are right. making up, and now you're the worst team there. And now and you're you will looking be. at, and you will be, and because, you easily will because be you need for to a reset. While. You need a completely change. You're so, right. You're absolutely right. I don't right. think there's any way you get in there. All right, let's let's shift sense. now a little bit to lo- back to local. Here we went, we went local, then we went big, then we're going back to local again, and we're going to another firing that happened. Jim Bob Cooter, obviously, and the Lions no longer are you know he's out, he's gone, fired, mutually agreed to part ways, Fine. whatever. Um, just just overall. As we know, right, when Jim Caldwell was hired, Michael Lombardi, not Michael Lombardi, um, Joe Lombardi was hired to be the OC. That was an epic disaster. Um, So Jim Bob took over and really kind of transformed the offense a little bit. Stafford put up great numbers. They were really in sync. The offense for about a good 26-game stretch was one of the best in the league, you know, output-wise. And then ever since then, we've kind of, it's been a slow matriculation back down to just complete and utter garbage. So... What went wrong for JBC? He started off so hot, obviously. Yeah. What went wrong? I think initially he had like the um, play calling of like not like Andy Reid, no. but he could design some good stuff, mm-hmm. and it was like stuff that you've never really seen before, especially right. like if you watch a lot of Lions games. Right. You're like, well, they never really do did that, that right. and now they Correct. do that all the time, or mm-hmm. like. Wow, that was an interesting run play that they just did that they'd never done before. Like, right. wow. Mm-hmm. But then as time went on. He never changed. Right. It was a constant, like, so we brought in this new screenplay, but now we're going to run it 17 times <laughs> every single game. Right. And new three just, years yeah. ago. And now people yeah. are just going to catch on. Mm-hmm. And it, and you know it's bad. I brought this up, this exact point up before, but you know it's bad when they're playing the Jets and, the and Jets they know. call something and the Jets literally shift their entire team, all 10 guys over mm-hmm. to the to Golden Tate because you know it's going to be a screen pass over there. Right. You know it's getting bad when teams can literally – Call out plays mm-hmm. by formation. Right. Yeah. That's you know. You're, that's absolutely. So correct. I think that's I think that's where it went down. Right. No. What and what what what's what happened? What 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 did he do? Did he just kind of fall in love with the game? Is he just kind of like did he just rest on his laurels? Like what what happened to him? Um, I think having some instantaneous success mm-hmm. um, can kind of cause you to be complacent. So in operations management, there's this thing called Kaizen, which is continuous improvement, which is kind of what Michael touched on. Okay. He like had some innovative streak there that right. kind of like really jived really well. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, we're all done. Right. And in anything to do, if you like, if you've done something innovative, mm-hmm. doing it once isn't enough, mm-hmm. you kind of right. got to keep improving right. it. And I think, Absolutely. I think everyone's like Stafford and Jim Bob Cooter, they're going to be the bestest Offensive coordinator, quarterback, right. best friends ever. And, well, then and, 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 and it worked, right? And it did work for, for an extended period of time, really. A good yeah. season and a half, almost two years, really, where we saw some dramatic offensive improvement. You know, the output for Stafford was really well. Um, do, obviously, he was a holdover, right, from the, from the Caldwell era. But do you think Patricia put him in a position to succeed? Because when you look at it and you go, okay... Um, you know, he's a defensive guy. I feel like because they wanted to run the ball more, I think that put a damper a little bit on his play calling. Mm-hmm. I think injuries obviously have a, have a little bit to do with it. But at the same time, you weren't hurt at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the offense, even though they played well, I think obviously the Jets game was a complete disaster in all three phases, right? So let's, yeah. let's exclude that for a minute. Okay. Even the San Fran game, I thought... They, offensively, they played okay, right? The New England game, they played well. A couple of those wins there in the middle of the season, they played well. And then, like, soon as as soon as, like, Golden got traded, yeah. it felt like the offense, even, I get it, Golden Tate was a major piece of this offense, but you can't drop off from averaging, like, 26 points a game to, like, seven. Yeah. That's a massive drop off in, in, in production and output there. So, yeah. do you think that Patricia hindered him, and is that what he's going to do for the new OC? Because... 
I don't feel like that's going to be, but uh, there's like a 10% of me who's worried about How it. How often do you think Patricia has any input in the offensive play calling? Honestly, I would like, say do you honestly, think he's like I want you to do this here like how much no, input, I would say, I would say more it's a situational thing where it's like okay hey listen we're on the you know if we in a fourth down situation here yeah. and we're on their 40 we're going to go for it you know yeah. call, dial but something that, up like, here play I don't really I would I would be stunned to hear Patricia be like no no I want to run play here on third and yeah. 11 but, you, you I, think, I, mean? I think that's where it's weird because um I think he wasn't really in the spot to succeed because like Earlier, like two years ago, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see he. They threw the ball so much more, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, like this year, they're like they do what Seattle does, and Seattle has a really good running game. Don't right. get me wrong, right? But what Seattle does is they just run and run and run, and even if it's even right. if they average point eight yards a carry, right. they will still run it. Mm-hmm. Fourth quarter, they mm-hmm. will still run it, right? And they don't know when to die away from the run, mm-hmm. and like you're down fourteen. Now you need to start passing, but they keep running. Yeah. And I think that's and Seattle does it and yeah. other teams do it. And I don't know why, like, I don't know why that's a thing now. Yeah. But like when the Lions are getting down, especially when their defense wasn't there, like mm-hmm. against Dallas and stuff, right. when their defense is letting up early and you're mm-hmm. down like 14, 17, 0, mm-hmm. you can't just go two straight run plays right. and then try to third and eleven try to pass it out of it. Right. Like you gotta start like moving the ball a little bit. <laughs> and I think that's right. Jim Bob just would never get there and like First down, let's actually yeah. throw the ball. They would never get there. Right. Throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. Yes. Oh, like, past the line of scrimmage. All right. Right. So. right. That does help a lot. Okay. So, give me this then. Dream scenario, who's the new OC? Me. <laughs> besides oh, besides that. I would love it. You. Yeah. Right? There you go. Right? Yeah. I know. No, no, no. Uh, no Drop a couple. In all, <laughs> in all sincerity, I would actually like to see... And I've been talking about this a lot. Yeah. Someone like Adam Gase. Yeah, that's my dream. In. That's my. I think we're all kind like, of in as agreement a, here. As a dream as scenario, that yeah. would be nice. I mean, just anyone that can just just hold the offense, mm-hmm. like right. Just be like, hey, yeah. I'm going to take over the offense. Patricia and do you do defense. You do defense because right. that's what I your agree. specialty is. I absolutely agree. Let me just take the offense and Adam Gase as a mm-hmm. former head coach with. 10 win seasons in Miami. Totally agree. I think he could come in with right. Stafford and make this offense better. Got the best years out of Cutler, or the best year out of Cutler, and was was Peyton Manning's right-hand man in Denver. Yeah, I think that's exactly. a, I think that's a great marriage, yep. especially to allow some creativity. Overall, I think it's going to be, and I think Bob Quinn mentioned this in his press conference where you're going to go, going to let Stafford be Stafford and yeah. put him in a position to succeed and yeah. lead this team in the right direction. All right, let's shift now. We're shifting from the NFL, and we're shifting to hockey here. Last topic of the show, we're talking NHL All-Star. Jimmy Howard, goalie for the Red Wings, was selected to be in the All-Star game. Now, as, as you may or may not know, the NHL has this weird rule where every person, there's at least one person on every team that makes the All-Star game. I don't know why, but that's the thing. Is that a participation so, trophy? Kind of. <laughs> right. And I feel like we're answering, by our reactions, I feel like we're answering one of my questions right. But we're going to start off with, A, was Jimmy Howard the right choice to be the Detroit Red Wings representative if no other guy makes it? Which Larkin's kind of like in a fan voting thingy. But if, regardless, right, Howard's in. And he's even said that Larkin should be in it. Should Larkin be the guy to represent the Detroit Red Wings? I would have rather have Larkin in it. Right. However, I guess, like, from where they are on, right. um, in their division and everything, it doesn't from matter. their side, it doesn't, well, it doesn't matter, but, like, they need a goalie there. So, like, Jimmy Howard, I guess, was, like, one of the better goalies. So yeah. we'll throw him in. We'll but throw like, him. Yeah. yeah. But, like, to be honest, I, like, Larkin's. For me, it's yeah. easily the number one choice. Right. But if it's Absolutely. not Larkin, I guess we'll have Jimmy Howard in there. I feel like it was almost you know, like a name recognition thing a little yeah. bit, you know, because I think Larkin was there last year. Um, now, as we were talking about, they have one person from every every team. That's dumb, right? Are we all in agreement here that that's, that's kind of dumb? Like, I that's, like I think M made a perfect like a, a rep, uh, participation trophy. That's like a perfect thing because, let's be real here, folks, the Red Wings aren't good. Yeah. So... You know what I mean? Are and you allowed to say that? I know I'm definitely allowed to say it because they <laughs> haven't. Good. They haven't been good for five years. No, so they're not even five hundred right now. Right. So. so you look at it and you go, "This is stupid." And why do we have somebody? And I get it. Like every once in a while, you have a guy who's really, really good mm-hmm. on a bad team, right? That's not necessarily like like Connor McDavid on the Edmonton Oilers when they were bad. He's still a stud, right? He's he's a he's a good player, so he's going to make the All Star team regardless. Yeah. But oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's dumb, right? To have them... I mean, is it smart, I guess, to have like a little bit... So everybody... Is that the NHL saying, hey, watch it because this guy from your team is in the All-Star okay, game? Okay, listen. 
my only complaint about it, and I'll just... It's not really a complaint. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. Right. Because I'm a big NBA fan. And right. say they did this for the NBA, this is what it would be. So you would have... You pick one person from the Warriors who have five All-Stars. <laughs> so say you pick Curry. Right. So Durant's not even in the All-Star game now. Right. And Unless take, he wins a fan vote. Yeah. And then you're going to take, like, Jokic instead of Kevin Durant in right. an All-Star game. Or you're going to take, yeah. you're gonna take yeah. someone right. like... From the worst, you're gonna take someone from the Suns. Right. You're gonna take Eric Bledsoe from the Suns, <laughs> and he's gonna go play. Yeah. Instead oh, right. of Kevin Durant's gonna right. play. I, agree. I think stuff like that, where like multiple, mm-hmm. some teams that have multiple stars. Right. I think it should just be the best players, which is why I like the NFL. The NFL's like, yo, Lions. No one stepped up and did good enough this year. You might not get anybody this right. year. Although I do think Snacks is a pretty big. I think he. Oh, well, yeah, I do. Pretty think big we, omission. I, yeah, I think we, there should be some guys, but right. like. At the same time, like right, if you're if you're not a good team, right, you, you, you don't have, you shouldn't have anybody yeah, on like the I'm Raiders. Sorry, right. No offense, you probably shouldn't get anybody in there. I don't think they do have. Anybody I don't think in they there. do either. Right, but correct. like let's talk about the Chiefs. You should have Patrick Mahomes should be in it. Right. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they should all be in it because they all did good. Absolutely. So I think right. it's more on like, did you mm-hmm. do good all year? Right. All right. That's so last topic, really, as the All Star games are kind of a hot topic. Some people, some people really love the All Star games. Some people really find them boring. I am in that camp where I find them extremely boring. But number one, are you watching the NHL All Star game? Number no. one, <laughs> there you go. No, right? Em's like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't like <laughs> hockey games in general. I was just saying, I don't yeah, right? That much and then but... two, should they just kind of can't? All Star games don't mean anything, right? Obviously, we talked about baseball. Is the only one that really decides anything, yeah. but uh, that can be remedied really easily with best record gets home could, field, home absolutely. field advantage. So, as the Pro Bowls after the season in the NFL, NBA it sucks. It's three hundred to three hundred and two yeah. is the final. You know, should should All Star games like should they be called something else? It can they can be called All Pro or All League, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But at the same time, like just kind of like just give me like a brief just to kind of. Sum up your feelings on all star games in general because to me they're they're boring and they're, they don't do anything. I think they're boring and the only way you can fix them is to make everyone mean something. Right. Like if you did every single one like the baseball one where it was like in the NBA, okay, right. East versus West, and the winner gets home field advantage, home court advantage. That's so huge. Who, so whoever wins, right, that's like, huge. Gets something. That's so that's huge. why everyone's playing for. It. Or like the, if the NFL somehow could move theirs mm-hmm. like into a bye week or something, right, and then they're like, hey, whoever wins. Right. You know, get something. They play in a neutral site, though, so right. I'm fine with that. Right. But, like, everything else, it's like, mm-hmm. make it mean something, or else it doesn't matter. Like, right. why have it? I guess it's nice to say, wow, Stafford's a three time Pro Bowler. Right. But, like, it doesn't matter. But in, if you're going to talk about the long term, like, is he really good or not? The Pro, like, oh, he's a three time Pro Bowler is the least of the concerns. Hey, he's won a Pro Bowl MVP, too. Don't oh, you, don't you forget, forget about, about that. that like, when we're going to talk about our LeBron <laughs> Michael Jordan segment, right. LeBron's been to 15 All Star games, and. Who cares? Nobody cares. Yeah, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. So, like, absolutely. make so, it mean something or nothing. Right. All right. That's going to be it for this episode of I'm Always Right. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. And find us on SoundCloud.com slash I'm Always Right PC. And we're, guess what, guys? We're going to YouTube. This episode right here is going to YouTube. Find us on YouTube. We will see you guys, as always, next week.